Well, hey, everybody. Happy New Year. I haven't seen some of you since last year. I haven't preached since last year. So uh, I have a double doozy for you today. No. Um, last week, I was so thankful to have Pastor Doug step in with for me and uh, teach. I was totally wiped out after we did our seven Christmas services and a Sunday service uh, online right after that. Hey, if you're watching online, I want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Great way to start this year. I think that everybody has a resolution. I'm going to get back in church, so we want to welcome you. I'm glad you're here. I hope you'll come every week to this new series. We're starting a brand new series today. Hope you've got your outline with you. Unmasking relationships, timeless relationship truths in the new normal. I got new normal in quotes, right? Um, yes, uh, we've got several classes starting up this week. Make sure you stop by the Next Steps uh, tent out there. They'll get you signed up. Or if you're watching online, you can get a jump on it and uh, sign up on your phone or whatever right now as, as we're talking. Um, before we get started, look, it's been a crazy week. I get it. Let's do what we need to always do in a crazy week. Let's just go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you've given us a new year. Lord, last year was rough. 2020 was difficult. This first week of 2021 has also been crazy in a whole other way. I just pray that when we go through difficult times or crazy times, that we as individuals, as a church family, that we will always look towards you. You are our King Jesus. We worship you. For me personally, Lord, I just pray you'll calm my heart with everything that's going on in our country and around the world. And you'll help me to continue to focus on the only one who, who matters or makes any difference. And that's you, my Lord, my Savior, Jesus. I just pray that you'll just help us to take a breath and that you will help us as Christians, or at least as members of this body of Christ, that we will always be about doing the two things that are our primary assignment, that everything in our being will be focused on loving you with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's never been more difficult to love other people. That's why we're going to talk about this series. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us through your word, that you'll encourage us that we can't solve a pandemic and we can't heal a polarized nation. But what we can do, we can love you more and we can love people more. So help us to focus on what we can do and help your word to just calm our spirits. I thank you, Jesus, that we can worship you, that you do give us mercy and grace. And I pray that you will help us to extend that to each and every person in our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Today we're starting a brand new series, as I said, called Unmasking Relationships, Timeless Relationship Truths in a New Normal. It's amazing how God puts his truth on paper in his word. It's been written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors on several different continents. And it's 2,000, its newest writings are 2,000 years old, yet it applies to us like nothing before. I wish the whole world could hear this message, or at least our whole country could hear this message today and actually live it. Now look, 
let's be honest. Living with family in dealing with friends and co-workers is a challenge at times, even in the best of circumstances. But the last 10 months have been some of the most stressful months that any of us have ever gone through in our entire lives. And one of the places that one of the places we're seeing the devastated devastating effects from the pandemic is on our interpersonal relationships. Between the pandemic and all the political stuff and good grief social media relationships have never been more stressed, more strained than they are right now. Can I at least get an amen on that? Yeah. So this series is on relational health. We're going to look at how do we make our relationships healthier? How do we improve our relationships? Now, let me just start with a warning. Because you're going to be tempted right from the get-go in this series to filter this information that God has laid out, to filter it by a by trying to apply it to other people. Here's what I mean. You're going to hear this. You're going, oh, man, that's so good. I wish my wife would hear this. I sure hope he's writing notes. You're going to say, I wish my boss heard this message. I think I'll send it to him. I'm going to make my teenager drag him by the ear and bring him in here and make him watch this. And I'm sure they all need it. And you have a lot of evidence you could convince us that that's true. However, we've got to resist the temptation to filtering and seeing this message through what everybody else needs to apply. And we've got to, we've got to humbly this year ask ourselves, God, what are you saying, not to him, her, them, but God, what are you saying to me? Because we are half of the relationship equation with our kids, with our parents, with our siblings, with our, with our coworkers, with our boss, with our church family. We're half the equation. So we can only focus on, or we should only focus on, or I want us to only focus on, what can we do to improve our relationships from our half of the the relationship equation? Now, I've been saying for months that we're going to see an incredible spike in relational conflict, separation, and divorces in our country, especially for our caregivers. If you're a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, or a minister... 2020 has has thrown you through a loop. It's thrown us all through a loop, but especially in those frontline areas. Or if you're a first responder, you add in the, the cops, the EMTs, and the firefighters, and I'm telling you, everybody's relationship is strained and on edge. These marriages are under the greatest stress and pressure that probably anyone has ever seen except possibly for families who send someone off to war. And we're also going to be looking at the lives of people in our lives that just irritate us. Do you have any people that just irritate you? And we're going to talk about how to deal with those people. Please don't point at one if you brought one with you, okay? should have warned you. Like someone's going, yeah! You know, that's... Uh, um, I, I have a counselor, a marriage counselor card I'll give you for some to refer you to. Um, we may all need it by the end of this. So I don't know if you listen to Dave Ramsey. I listen to Dave Ramsey every day. I, almost every time I'm in the car, 3 o'clock on, I've got it already preset to Dave Ramsey. And I will tell you this. If you listen to Dave Ramsey day, you will get your, every day, you will get your butt out of debt. He will encourage you for that. One of the things he's famous for saying, I've heard him say it, 
probably a thousand times. Is he says this all the time. He says, having crazy people in your life will make you crazy. Especially if you live with them. Sometimes he says, especially if you move them in with you. <laughs> okay. Have your family or your extended family been driving you a little nuts? Have your Facebook friends been pushing your buttons? Is your boss making you a little crazy? We just finished an entire series on the book of of, of James, or a series on the entire book of James. We're in James almost 30 weeks, longest series I've ever done since the first year of this church. And James, he talks a lot about wisdom. We all do foolish things from time to time. We all do. Usually it's unintentional, but sometimes if we're honest, we're just like, no, this is stupid, this is foolish, this is dumb. I'm doing it anyway. It's intentional sometimes. We would have fewer problems if we were less foolish and more wise. Wisdom doesn't get rid of your problems, but wisdom minimizes your problems. If we know how to respond wisely in certain situations, relational situations especially, our problems will be greatly reduced in our life. Nowhere are we more foolish than in our relationships. We foolishly treat the people we love, the people we live with, the people that we're in relationship with. We, we foolishly treat them. We treat them foolishly, and, and it is counterproductive. In fact, a lot of times we provoke people to the very behavior that we don't want to receive in response. We foolishly think to ourselves, you know, this is how I'm going to get what I need out of my relationship. I need more fulfillment. I need more intimacy. I need more joy. I need more satisfaction. I need more stability. I need my relationships to be fulfilling, not draining. Relationships are draining. Everybody in our life drains us to a certain extent. And actually the things that we do to try to get what we want out of a relationship is counterproductive. They're foolish. They're not wise. Because if you go through life doing what you naturally feel is the right thing to do in a relationship, it's almost always the wrong thing. Almost always. It's like, well, well what, 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 what do I feel like doing? It's almost always the wrong thing to do. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting to me. You know, we just spent 28, 29 weeks in James. And the last thing I want to do, but it's the classic passage when we start talking about where we need to begin in our relationships. The most classic passage on wisdom in our relationships is James 3, verse 13 through 18. Yep, we're already back to James. Isn't that great? I told you I could teach on James for a whole year. Um, I try not to do that. James thirteen, James three, thirteen through sixteen. If you've got your program, I'm not going to give you a hundred verses today. I'm going to save the hundred verses for the next few weeks. But and it's because I have like twenty five things for you to fill out, twenty five things for you to write down, and then we're going to pray this back. So even if you don't normally take notes, this is going to become a prayer for you. Um, if you want to write these six things down, and then all the bullets that are under these. These six things. Let me read you James three thirteen through 16. If you are wise, probably the most important variable is that first word, if. You should circle the word if. If. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living, in an, honor, by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 
But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. You got any chaos in your life? Oh, yeah. You got any disorder in your life? You got any area of your life that's, that's confused? The Bible says wherever we find confusion, wherever we find disharmony, wherever we find disorder, there's ego there. Ego and pride and selfishness. Whether it's in the office, whether it's in the neighborhood at the HOA, whether it's in your family for Thanksgiving dinner, extended family, or whether it's in the people you drove to church with. Selfish ambition and jealousy, wherever you find it, you're going to find disorder of every kind and every kind of evil. Then he says in verse 17 and 18, but the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. When peacemakers, he's talking about relationships, when peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. When we talked about this verse, when we were going through this passage, when we were going through James, we focused on peacemakers planting seeds of peace kind of in a world, how to make the world a more peaceful place. Now we're going we're gonna to take these same verses and apply it to our interpersonal relationships, our marriages, our relationship with our kids, with our siblings, with our parents, with our church family. These verses teach us a whole lot about relationships that we're not going to learn from anywhere else. The Bible teaches us that wisdom is a way of relating. You see, when we think of the word wisdom, we usually think, when you say, well, that guy has so much wisdom, what we think of, he's smart, he's intelligent, he's, he's educated. But see, wisdom it has to do with what we do, not with what we think. A lot of people think that wisdom is intelligence and smarts and education. No. The world is full of educated fools. Full of, please don't point at anybody again. should keep warning you. The Bible says that wisdom shows up primarily in our relationships. We may have all kinds of knowledge and still be a fool. We may have all kinds of education and still relate foolishly. We can have all kinds of brilliance and be technically smart. And, and, but wisdom shows up in our relationships. That's why you can have this brilliant scientist. You know, he can, he, he can quote all kinds of calculations, but his, his family's a mess. You can have someone over here with multiple advanced degrees. They're a doctor of everything. Yeah, they're on their fifth marriage. So education and IQ don't really have anything to do with wisdom. They have nothing to do with wisdom. Wisdom 
always has to do with relationships. It's how we treat other people. It's what we do, not what we say. Verses 14 through 16 says the way, the way that we typically relate to people is, is foolish. When we get bitter, when we get angry, when we get resentful, when we get jealous, when we get selfish, when we get ambitious in relationships, he says all of those are foolish ways of relating to people, and they're not going to get us what we hope to get out of this relationship. So this passage teaches us six things that wise people never do in relationships. And then we're going to apply it. So what does this look like? How do I apply it in my life? And I'm going to have you write it down. Now, these are the foundations for healthy relationships. In the weeks that come, in the weeks that follow ahead, we're going to look at challenging people in our lives. We're going to look at how to diffuse how to deflect, how to defend ourselves from the people in our lives who typically just kind of drive us nuts. But again, as we go through this series, we're going we're gonna to not just look at how, do they, it, how we respond to them. When we respond incorrectly to the difficult people in our lives, we usually make it worse. So we're going to respond to the people who are difficult, But we're also going to apply this to our lives and say, okay, God, how do I respond? How do I work on this so that I'm not the difficult person for someone else? Okay? Because your spouse really wants you to get this. Okay? And your kids or your parents really want you to get this. So we're going to apply both ways. All right, so today let's talk about how to make wise, how to make my relationships, how can I be wise in my interpersonal relationships. I hope you'll jot these down, grab your pen. The first thing it says, six ways to be wise in relationship, that wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. What does he mean by the word pure? We fill that in pure? It means uncorrupted. It means clean. It means unpolluted. It means clear, untainted. What, what is he talking about? The word that we would most commonly use today is the word integrity. Now, we talked about, if you've been coming, um, we talked about integrity and truth a couple of times in the fall, September, October-ish. He's talking about that the foundation of a relationship is integrity. All relationships are built on trust. Trust is built on truth. If we don't have truth, we don't have trust. If we don't have trust, we don't have relationship. That's in all of our relationships. That's in our relationship with our kids. We tell our kids lies or we model lies in front of our our kids as they grow up. They turn into 18-year-olds that go, yeah, my dad, my mom, they don't tell the truth. They lie whenever it's convenient. They lie whenever. They say they go to church. They say they believe that Jesus stuff. But reality is there's no integrity there. And then we wonder why they fall or why they lie. So all trust, trust is founded on truth. We have to be truthful. Trust is found on truth, and trust is what builds relationships. If we don't have trust, we don't have a relationship. In other words, if a guy's lying to his wife all the time, well, he, he might have an arrangement, but he doesn't have a relationship. He might have a commitment, but he doesn't really have a relationship because relationships are built on truth, and truth is the foundation of trust. Relationships have to have trust. We've got to be honest. We've got to shoot straight with people. We should shoot straight with everybody as Christians, 
because God is truth. So every time I'm truthful, I'm like God, my heavenly father. And every time I lie or I'm dishonest or I shade the truth or I white lie it or however you justify it, then let's just call it what it is. It's sin and I'm being like the father of lies. If we're lying to people in our life, we can't have a relationship with them. So I want you to write this down. If I want to be wise in my relationships, well, I won't compromise my integrity. I won't violate my conscience. I won't compromise my conviction. I won't live a double life. I won't lie to you. I'll tell you the truth. Because trust is built on truth. And no trust, no, no truth, no trust, no trust, no relationship. All right, number two. Wisdom that comes from heaven is also peace-loving. In other words, wise people are peacemakers. Boy, this is something that our whole nation needs right now. Wise people are peacemakers, not troublemakers. Let me say that again. Remember not to apply it to everybody else. Apply it to me. Am I a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Because wise people don't walk around carrying a chip on their shoulder. Wise people don't need to get even. Wise people don't need to get revenge. Wise people don't need to even the score. Wise people are are not looking for a fight. Do you love a good fight? Well, then you're not wise. The Bible says wisdom is peace-loving. Foolish people love to fight. They love to argue. They love to mix it up. Remember, apply it to ourselves. Don't think about all the 900 people running through your mind right now. Yeah. The Bible says wisdom is peace-loving. It's not always trying to provoke anger. So here's the second thing. If I want to be wise in my relationships, I won't antagonize your anger. In other words, I won't, I won't push your hot buttons intentionally. You're like, oh, Jerry, you're taking all the fun out of it. Right? I, I won't provoke your rage. I won't egg you on. The fact is, if you've been around anybody for any length of time, or especially if you've been married to anybody for any length of time, you already know what pushes her buttons. Oh, yeah, you're probably the expert on, oh, I know, what will set her off, what will, what will freak him out. And pretty soon, we figure out what irritates people, and we file that in the back of our head. And we're like, oh, I'm saving this for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, now, you don't have to worry. We're a long way from Thanksgiving right now, okay? So, so you'll forget about this by then. It's okay, you know. So, but you're thinking, you know, ooh, look at the boy, that stood his hair right on. I'm going to save that. And what we do is we hold that, we hold that back here. And when we're in a discussion or an argument or a fight, and they say something that hurts us, they say something that hits a little close to home, they say something that, ooh, it bites us a little bit, we're like, oh, okay, I'll pull out the big gun. I'm just going to blow it up. I already know what will set her off, what will blow him up. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna set the torch. God says that's not wise. He says that's foolish. By the way, just let me, let me be clear. Foolish. When he says foolish, what he means is dumb. What he really means is stupid. Now I know 
that's offensive. I can't believe you said stupid. I had somebody leave our church one time because I used the word stupid. He said, you said the S word. I said, the S word? He said, yeah, stupid. I go, that S word. I said, he says, we can't have our eight-year-old at this church if you're going to use it for pastoring you word stupid. I said, dude, you better leave because I'm going to offend you in a hundred other ways. I mean, that's not the worst word I've ever said up here, okay? So, so it's okay. You know, if you can't handle, that's what God means. I mean, we, we can, we can clean it up and say, well, it's dumb, but it still means stupid. Well, it's not wise, not, not as wise as we could be pastor, ministerially speaking. That's just stupid. Okay? So, so don't be offended by it. Own it. Sometimes, right? You know, if stupid fits, swear it. I, I, you have a stupid pastor, okay? I'm just saying, I have been plenty unwise, dumb things, stupid. Okay, Nancy was in here amen and like crazy in the first service. You should go home and just watch that. It's pretty funny. So we know what it, what, what it, what offends them. When we're offended, we know what's gonna, and we push the button, stupid. We're not getting any closer to resolution. We're not helping the relationship. In fact, we're hurting it. It's not wise. It's it's dumb. It's stupid. If, if I don't antagonize your anger, I don't push your buttons, even when I know what your buttons are. And let me just say it this way, okay? I don't push your buttons if you're wise. I don't push your buttons when you're pushing mine. Oh. Jerry, you know, I mean, she's pushing my button. She's rattling my cage. She's, she knows that's those are, you know, those are fighting words. And, yep. And when you're wise, you don't engage. You don't retaliate. You don't antagonize their anger. I'm going to be the wiser push person. I'm not going to push back. There's lots of these in Scripture. We'll talk about. We'll talk about many of them. Let me just mention three real quick. Three things you should never do to antagonize other people's anger. And once you know these, we're going to go out of here today. We're going to go, oh, yep, I'm never doing these ever again in any of my relationships. Number one, com- comparing antagonizes anger. We're going to antagonize their anger when we compare people to other people. It always makes them mad. So don't compare. Why can't you be like so-and-so? Why can't you be, especially if so-and-so is a sibling, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be, I mean, you say to your little five-year-old, why can't you be like your brother? And eventually that little five-year-old is saying to you, why can't you be like dad? He's nice. Right? Where did they get that? I'm so surprised. I'm not surprised. He's yours. You've been modeling that for five years? Wait till he's 15. Then we'll be really talking. Our kids become us. They've already got our DNA, and then we program them with all this relational garbage. It's not helpful when we say things like, you're just like your mother. Duck. You know, if that slips out of your mouth, you know, just duck. Something's flying across the room at you. You just don't know it yet. You're just like your dad. It's, it's foolish, not wise. What the Bible really means it's stupid when we do that. Never compare your wife, never compare your husband, never compare your kids, never compare your, your boss, never compare your siblings. Don't even compare your yard to somebody else's. By the way, you want to just set your friendship on fire? You go ahead and compare your parenting style with your friend's parenting style. Dare you. 
Oh, yeah. You, some of you, you've already blown up relationships. You're like, well, you know, if you, would, if you would raise your kids God's way, then they wouldn't have that. Like, if you would if you'd do this, you know, there's a Bible verse that says that your little kid wouldn't be the orangutan that he really is. I'm like, you want to know why you don't have any friends, okay? Comparing always antagonizes anger, especially in parenting. Number two, condemning antagonizes anger. Don't do it. When we start laying on the guilt in a relationship, start making people try to feel guilty, we're manipulating them. We don't like it when people manipulate us. When people lay on the guilt, Christians are really experts at this. My experience only, of course. But when you make people feel guilty for what they've done and you start making them feel ashamed, you should just be, you should just be ashamed. It's going to get you the exact opposite of what you're hoping. You're wanting to control their behavior. You're wanting to, to make yourself feel better. But your, condemn, your condemnation is going to be reversed right back on you. Because here's, here's the problem. If they're a believer, they, even if they're not a believer, they have a conscience. But if they're a believer, they have a conscience and they have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's kind of going, you know, this is a problem in your, in your life. This is a problem I want to work on. So they're already wrestling with their conscience. And they're already wrestling with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, it's very difficult to wrestle with your conscience and the Holy Spirit. And then you come along with your magic Bible verse and you say, well, if you would just, you know, James says. And, and now they have, oh, all this invisible wrestling I have with the Holy Spirit and with my conscience. Now I have somewhere to focus it. It's on you. And you because you're trying to be God. You're trying to be their Holy Spirit. I'll help you're gonna help God out. Oh, we are so helpful. I'm gonna straighten my kid out. I'm gonna straighten my wife out. I'm gonna straighten my brother out because I got a magic Bible verse that they they need I'm gonna confront them with. Look, condemnation antagonizes anger. When you attack they get defensive. Think about it if you put yourself in that position. Some of you are defensive at me right now. You're like, yeah, you're pointing it out, Jerry. I see what you mean. I'm All my anger's at you. I get it. Anytime we use those words, you should, you ought to, you need to, you always. I try to not say you. I try to say we. Because I'm sure I'm right up there with Paul as a chief sinner among us. Anytime we use those always negative, you, you never kind of words, we're, the Bible says we're being dumb. We're antagonizing. It doesn't work. All right, third one, contradicting, antagonizes anger. Look, I'm bad at this one. You ever watch, you ever watch a spouse correct, like, their husband or their wife's trying to tell a story and, it's like every time they try to sell something, they like interrupt and try to clear, make you know, make it all legal. Like, you know, it's like she, she's saying, "Well, you know, we were skiing last winter out in Vale," and he's like, "It was Breckenridge," you know. And it's like nobody cares whether you were at Vale or you're at Breckenridge, okay? But you're like, "No, no, no, we gotta, we're, you know, we gotta have integrity." Jerry says we gotta tell the truth, you know. So, so you're like, "I just want to interrupt," you know. It wasn't Vale; it was Breckenridge because we're so afraid that 11 years from now they're gonna find it. You know, you told us 11 years ago at dinner y'all were in Vale, and we found out you were in Breckenridge. We're done with you. We're not having. That's not gonna happen. So we go through all this effort to, like, you know, make sure, and it, it just, it drives us crazy. Because you're thinking, these people are never going to get done with their story. 
You know, I don't want to hear their story, but I for sure don't want to hear their story if he's going to keep interrupting her or she's going to keep interrupting him. It's not wise. But we're all guilty of this. Are we, are we not all guilty of this? Am I the only ones that are guilty of this? You know, I do this all the time, you know, and we got to know what to just let go. You know, if my kid or my spouse or my friend tells the story wrong, just zip it. Let it roll. Don't get all, because you're going to contradicting antagonizes anger. It's not a big deal. All right, we've got to keep cranking because we've got a lot to cover. Wisdom, number three, wisdom from heaven. The third thing says wisdom from heaven is gentle all the time. Now, gentle is a word. Here's what it means. In the Living Bible, it says courteous. In the NIV translation, it says considerate, gentle, courteous, considerate, kind. If I'm wise, I'm going to be considerate. Let me read it to you from Paul. In Philippians 4, verse 5, he says, Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. So, Jerry, what you're saying is, I've got to be considerate. But what if they're inconsiderate to me? Yes, you've got to be considerate, even if they're inconsiderate to you. I've got, I've got to be considerate, even if that clerk is a jerk? Exactly. You see, that's not easy. I mean, there's something in me that I'm just having this nice day. I'm just going along. And when I get up to the register and the clerk is a jerk, all of a sudden there's something in me that's like, oh, this is a contest. I've got I've to out-jerk the jerk. And I'm fully prepared to do that. I didn't even know I was prepared. My family's like, oh, yeah, he can out-jerk the jerk. He's a bigger, my, my dad's a bigger jerk than you. So if we're going to have a contest of who's going to be the bigger jerk, I'm going to win. I didn't know there was a contest today. And that, maybe that's not in you, but that's, that's in a lot of us where, you know, if you're going to cut me off and try, I'm going to get in front of you to cut you off. Why? Because it's a game. this is a contest, right? Somebody keep a score. And, and, and we have it in us that when somebody steps across the line, buddy, we want to stomp that toe and step across their line and go, see, that's not wise. And it certainly isn't wise. I mean, it's not wise on I-4, but it's for sure not wise on your kitchen floor is for sure not wise when you're in a car with your kids or your teenagers. So when they're a jerk, you see, if you're a believer and a Christ follower, then we don't get to be rude back. We don't get to, when they call you a name, and many of, many people have been called a lot of names this week. You don't get to call names back. If you're going to be wise in relationships and call yourself a Christ follower. I won't say you. Let's say me. So if I'm lumped in a category and they call me this, that, and the other, I don't get to go, well, yeah, well, you're one. I can one-up you. So we've got to always be considerate. So if there's a racial slur thrown at you, you don't get to throw a racial slur. I don't get to throw a racial slur back. I'm not allowed to get even because getting even means I got to get down on your level. I got to get in the mud with you. So I'm always considerate, even on Facebook. Oh, gosh, how are we going to do this? 
Well, we need the Holy Spirit. We need a lot of Jesus. We're, we're, we're quick to point out how everybody else needs Jesus. We need just as much Jesus as they do. So when people are blasting away at you, your values, your beliefs, your party, your whatever, who you voted for, you've got to be considerate. Why? Because being considerate is, is the antidote to two of the most common mistakes that we make. Now, look. The guy you graduated from high school with that lives all the way over in Washington State or all the way over in the tip of Maine, as far away in our country as possible, you know, I get it. You, you have a hard time being nice because of what he says, what he believes in, what he has, has accused you of, whatever. But when we antagonize out there, it also comes home. We become a person that's not wise in our relationships, and it follows us home. And here's what happens. We make two major mistakes. The first mistake we make is we react to what people say, and we ignore how people feel. And the Bible says this is dumb, this is stupid, this is unwise. We pay way too much attention to the words that people say and not enough attention to their emotions. In fact, we're like, he said this, and she said that, and we write it down. We like have photographic memories. You said, you know, back on our honeymoon, you said, I mean, you're going way back. You see, the words don't really matter. People say stuff when they're angry all the time that they don't mean. I say stuff. I mean, if you, if you took everything I said when I was angry and said, well, that's what he means, then I'm unfit to be a pastor. And many other reasons I'm probably unfit to be a pastor. But I don't mean everything I say when I'm angry and I'm in the emotion. People use words that they don't even intend to use. They exaggerate things. We've got to look behind the words to the emotion. Because people don't always say what they mean, but they always feel what they feel. So if you're wise in a relationship, you'll stop focusing on what your kids say or what your boyfriend says or your girlfriend says or your husband says or your wife says or your boss says. That just ticks them off. Well, you said da 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 And start looking behind it at the emotion. I wonder why they reacted that way why are they feeling that emotion the other mistake that we make is we invalidate any feelings that we don't feel ourselves this is very damaging i don't feel it so you shouldn't feel it and if i don't feel what you're what you feel then your feelings are dumb or irrational or illogical And God forbid we use those words sometimes. You're being irrational. You're being illogical. You need a business card of a marriage counselor. Come see me. I'll help you find one. Well, that just makes no no sense. You shouldn't feel that way. So we just dismiss it. And because we feel it, we feel like our spouse, our kids, our sibling shouldn't feel it. And that, the Bible says, is foolish. And all those other words that go with it. That's not wise. When we evaluate, when we invalidate other people's feelings because we don't feel it, we minimize the person. So look, guys, let me give you some some good advice, okay? All the men. When your girlfriend or your wife says something like, I feel so ugly, don't dismiss it. You're not ugly. That's not helpful. What we need to say is, why would you feel ugly? Or what's making you feel ugly today? Because when we say you shouldn't feel 
anything we say after that isn't helpful. We need to ask, why would you say that? Because then you're getting at the real issue. Maybe there's an insecurity. Maybe there's something that, that she's feeling. So when someone says, I'm afraid, like your kid. Your kid says, if they ever open up to you and say it, I'm afraid. Well, don't be. Oh, real helpful, Dad. Real, real helpful, Mom. Real helpful, husband or wife. You know, I'm afraid. Well, don't be. You know, I have anxiety about this. So, well, don't be. Because we all know we have this little switch on us that just says fearful, brave, fearful, brave. And it's like, turn your switch, brave. Oh, yeah, okay, I feel fine now. Doesn't work that way, does it? We want people to, we want people to not belittle our feelings, but as soon as they have one, we don't offer any moral support. So don't minimize. If you don't get anything else I get, I say today, get this. Feelings are neither right or wrong. They're just there. Feelings are neither right or wrong. They're just there. They're not facts, so you shouldn't be arguing about them. Well, you don't feel that way. No, you shouldn't feel that way. You can't feel that way. Well, yeah, I do feel that way. I can feel that way, and I do feel that way. They're just feelings. You shouldn't have to defend your feelings. I shouldn't have to defend my feelings. Say, well, I feel this. and so, Well, here's all the reasons you shouldn't feel it. A lot of times what our family really needs from us when they say, I feel, is they just need to hear us say, I hear you. And not try to fix it, not try to solve it, not try to belittle or convince them or fact them or Google it for them. Just say, I hear you. Because there's probably a lot of people who feel that way, especially what we're going through in this world today. All right, anytime we try to convince someone that their feelings are wrong, we're going to lose that one. If I want to be wise in my relationships, I won't minimize your feelings. Will you fill that in? I don't compromise my integrity. I don't antagonize your anger by pushing your hot buttons. And then I, I acknowledge your feelings. Wisdom acknowledges your feelings. It doesn't diminish them. Most of the time, we do two things. We belittle them. You shouldn't feel that way. If you had a brain, you wouldn't believe that's true. Or we play psychologist you know we're all we're all experts on everybody else in our life do you know this yeah i'm an expert on all of you and everybody else in my life and well, well the reason you feel this way is you know your father would yeah and it's condescending when we tell people the reason why they feel the way that they feel the truth is we don't even know why we feel the way we feel how do we know how everybody else feels and let me just help you ladies out i help the husbands out let me use free Free marriage advice for all the women in the room, okay? When you say, and this applies to your boyfriends and your sons too. When you say to your husband, why why do you feel that way? Or why do you think that way? Or why do you do that? And he says what all husbands, all boyfriends, all sons say. I don't know. And you're like, what do you mean you don't know? He's not being evasive. At least for once he's being honest. I don't know. Now, I know you know, but resist the temptation that I knew you didn't know. Let me tell you because I know. Don't do that. That's what he's saying. Don't play psychologist. What I'm saying is if, if we want to be wise, we've got to stop ma- making these stupid relations. Okay, you don't like stupid. These foolish relationship mistakes that we make over and over and over. 
Stop minimizing people's feelings. You need to let your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, if you're married, your, your children, you need to let them feel what they're feeling without minimizing it. So if they feel tired, don't tell them, no, you don't. You're not tired. You've got eight hours of sleep. You need to you just let them feel tired. If they feel depressed, let them feel depressed. No, it's not zippity-doo-dah. You know, Jesus loves me. Let's, just let them feel what they feel. Stop trying to control their feelings, anyone's feelings. If they feel angry, let them feel angry or alone or scared. Friends, wise friends, offer words of kind words of encouragement, not remedies. All right, number four, we've got to keep cranking. I'm going to run out of time. Don't worry, if we don't cover anything, we've got plenty of weeks to cover, plenty of this, okay? We'll come back to it. Wisdom that comes from heaven is willing to yield to others. Number four. It's open to reason. It allows discussion. Wisdom that comes from heaven is willing to yield to others. How do you know if you're good at this one? You're able to listen. The wiser we are, the better listeners we are. Do we listen to people who disagree with us? Do we listen to people who vote a different way than we do, who have different values than we do, who spiritually are at a different place than than we are. Do we listen to them, or do we try to get our argument in? If you go back to your Facebook feed over the last two weeks, hmm, maybe I'm not as wise as I think I am. Because the wiser we are, the better listener we'll be. Let me tell you, one of the main ways you can know if you're a reasonable person in this is, can people who disagree with you vote differently than you? Um, have different values than you. Maybe they even have different worldviews than you or spiritual. Maybe they have different views of marriage, of anything else, different opinions. Can you talk through it with them? Can you, are you going, delete, 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 don't want you to be my friend? Anymore? I can't believe how many people have even just canceled their own relatives. You know, it's like, my, you're my brother, you're dead to me now because you didn't vote for the right person. I mean, but in, you know, if, you, if we're doing that, please at least go in your feed and take the thing off where you say, I like Seminole Community Church, okay? Because it's incongruent that we like church and we love Jesus, but we're just like the world in these areas. Again, let's just apply this to ourselves and let's try not to apply it to everybody else. We all can improve in being more wise. So if I want to be wise, I won't criticize your suggestions because a wise person can learn from anybody. I can learn from people who vote opposite of me. I can learn from people who believe opposite than me. I can learn from people. In fact, God uses people like that in my life all the time. People who don't believe what I believe, don't even worship the Savior I worship. And I learn from them. All truth comes from him. I'm really learning from God. He just has a way of using the people I least expect sometimes to teach me. Doesn't he, you? Mm, yeah. So we've got to learn. In fact, it just drives you crazy, doesn't it? Because you've got this guy at the office, and you just can't stand this guy, everything about him. And you have this whole pile of evidence, and we would all be, yeah, he's a jerk. We all agree with you. But every now and then, that person has a good idea or a good suggestion. And sometimes it's about you. And it's like, don't miss the good suggestion, the positive, constructive criticism, just because the messenger is in a package of somebody, man, I just can't stand that guy. But he's right about this. Because we can learn from everybody. Proverbs 18.15 puts it this way. Intelligent people, oh, well, that's none of us, so let's just move. No, it says intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. 
If I'm wise, I'm open to suggestions. Got to keep cranking. Number five, the Bible, y'all got to listen faster. The Bible says wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. We talked about, we sang about this this morning. If I'm going to be wise, I'm going to have to maximize my, if I'm going to be wise in my relationships, I have to maximize grace and mercy. Now, when pe- because here's the deal. Everybody in your relationship with, they're going to sin, they're going to mess up, they're going to fail, they're going to flub up, they're going to make mistakes, and it's going to require grace. It's going to require mercy. God cuts me slack, so he expects me to cut everybody else slack. The, the wisest person in the universe is God. The person that gives the most merciful person in the universe is also God. Why, do you think those are wise and merciful? Wise and grace, full of grace. They're connected. Fools are judgmental. When we are being judgmental, huh, we are being foolish. Anytime I start judging you, I'm being foolish. Anytime I'm merciful and I offer grace, I'm being like God. It's wise. It's wise to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's wise to show grace, to show mercy, to be forgiving. And you're like, but Jerry, we're going to be taken advantage of. Exactly. Over and over and over again in this planet, you will be taken advantage of. Why? Because you're a Christ follower and you're going to offer grace and you're going to offer mercy. And they're going to take advantage of that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. And that's, a, that's our big thing. As Americans who are Christians or Christian Americans, it's like, well, we're going to fight for our rights and we have a right. Man, don't spend your life fighting for your rights. What, what do we deserve? I don't, I don't want what I deserve. I'm grateful God didn't give me what I deserve. I'm a trophy of grace. He gives, that's what mercy and grace means. We've talked about this. Mercy, grace is God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. So we're going to give people what they need, forgiveness, grace, mercy, not what they deserve. Yeah, they don't deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. So if I want to be wise, I won't emphasize your mistakes because I'm merciful. Wise people don't rub it in. They rub it out. So how do we rate on this mercy thing? Do do we jump on every little fault? Oh, way to go, klutzo. Every time somebody stumbles, we're right there shining the light. Look, look, look what they're doing. Are we always picking at people, pushing everybody's buttons, making them look bad in front of other people? The Bible says every little sin that your husband, your wife, your kid, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your parents, your boss has, don't, don't emphasize that. Emphasize grace. All right, lastly, the Bible says that wisdom is impartial and always sincere. It means you're genuine, you're without hypocrisy. The word we would use would be authentic. So if I want to be wise in my relationships, I won't disguise my intentions. I won't wear a mask. We've got to unmask our relationships. I won't lie to you. I won't be fake with you. I won't cheat you. Fools are fakes. So let's review. How wise are you in your relationships? Do you ever compromise your integrity? That's not wise. Do you antagonize other people's anger and you push their buttons? That's dumb, the Bible says. Do you minimize their feelings? You shouldn't feel that way. That's stupid. Do you criticize their suggestions? That's a dumb idea. 
Do you emphasize mistakes or do you rub, rub it in rather than rub it out? Do you disguise your intentions? If we don't wise up in our relationships, if we don't learn some godly wisdom, we're going to go through our entire life making the same relational mistakes that we've always made. But when we're in a pandemic, when we're in a polarization politically, when we're in all this social media stuff, it just pushes the pressure and squeezes these relationships. And all of our mistakes are magnified. It like increases the coefficient, and it's just but an exponential growth in problems relationally. So how do we get the, relate, the wisdom to stop making foolish mistakes in relationships? There's only two places. You don't get it in school. They don't teach this in college. They don't teach this in high school. They don't teach this in, in middle school. The only time they ever teach about relationships in school is in kindergarten. You know, no, Johnny, you got to share. Oh, get in line. Please, that's where we learned to raise our hand, or some of us did anyway, right? And after, after kindergarten, they don't even try. The only place you're going to learn it is in God's word. Two places. The way you get more wisdom is get to know God and get to know his word and do it. Not just know his word, but do it. James is all about being a doer. We can get intelligence. We can go to school. We can get facts. We can get degrees, technical skills. Not going to help us in our relationships. Never, never, never. The only thing that will help you in a relationship is get God's wisdom. First, get to know God, love him with all your heart, and then learn how to love people wisely. That's what we're all about as Christians, folks. Love God, love people. It's never getting any more complicated than that. That's hard enough, by the way, especially with some of the people. Now, if you don't have any hard people to love in your life, you're the hard person in all their life. So we'll work on you next week. All right, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you want us to be wise and not foolish in our relationships, not stupid. I pray that even today, everyone here will make a commitment to be here as much as they can over the next few weeks as we talk about how to strengthen our good relationships and how to heal our bad ones, how to deal with the difficult people in our lives. But Lord, today it starts with us. But why don't you pray? Why don't you just ask God? We're going to pray through these points. And say, dear Jesus, in your own mind, wherever you're at, if you're in the, your living room or driving along the road or you're out in the pavilion, or you're right here with me. Dear Jesus, help me to not compromise my integrity. And help me to not antagonize people's anger. And help me to not minimize people's feelings. And help me to not criticize people's suggestions or emphasize their mistakes. Help me to not disguise who I am, Lord. Help me to take my mask off and be authentic and real and genuine. And then we all need to pray this. We need to pray this every day. Why don't you make this your prayer every day? Say, God, I need your wisdom. You say you give wisdom to anyone who asks, so it's me. I'm asking. I need your wisdom. We should all pray that every day. And God, I want to know you more and love you more every day. Every day, Jesus, I want to love you more. And I want to learn your word and do your word in all my relationships. Help me to be wise. Help me to learn to love you with all my heart, soul, and mind. 
and help me to love other people wisely the way you want me to. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.